Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Patriots, to our Convention of States podcast, that Provident Article. It's a reference given to Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution by James Madison back in 1796. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision, with a general view on the phrase, Convention for Proposing Amendments, and specific focus on the Convention of States project. For more information regarding the Convention of States project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. My name is Paul Hodson, and I've been a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas since early 2014. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5, to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement, and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. And again, a thank you to all of our listeners out there. A reminder that we take phone calls at the end of the of each segment of each episode. Our call-in number, 914-205-5632. A couple of other points of contact. Again, a big reminder, our website, www.conventionofstates.com. My email address where you can reach me. Texas DC for HD58 at gmail.com. That's Texas. D is in district. C is in captain. The number four. H is in house. D is in district. The number five. The number eight at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at Texas DC for HD58. So the same thing. You can ca- catch us on blogtalkradio.com at www.blogtalkradio.com. Texas DC for HD58. And on iTunes, you can search for that Provident article, just the phrase, that Provident article. Again, all the music that you would hear on intro, outro, provided by the patriotic rock band Madison Rising, big big supporters of the Convention of States Project. We appreciate all their support that they've given us. As always, we're going to begin by reading the pertinent information from Article 5 that applies to the Convention of States. The Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states, or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress." and in particular the Convention of States application, which was introduced in 41 states in the last two years, the legislature of the state fill in the blank, hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials, and for members of Congress. And a special treat tonight for me, I think, and hopefully for all the rest of you, we have a guest, a friend of ours, Michael Cicerone, who is a, was policy analyst for Senator Brian Birdwell here in Texas. 
is now out in California working on Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. And I'm going to pull Michael up right now. Michael, you on the phone? Good afternoon, sir. Hey, how are you? I'm awesome. How's it going uh, down in Texas? Texas is uh, doing quite well. We are quite busy with our convention of state activity. We are bursting at the seams. Uh, <laughs> we are we are struggling to keep up with with all the activity, both the uh, Supreme Court decisions in June and then the advertising on on Mark Levin's show have really bumped us. We're <clears throat> about twice the size we were almost when we began session. Actually, toward when we ended se- session. So if you can imagine. Twice as many of us running around the Capitol and twice as many of us calling in and sending in petitions, uh, and our goal is to be at 100,000 people, so about five times as many when the next session That's starts. That's So, Well, you're, you're down there fighting a the good fight, and unfortunately time, time may not be on our side, but God and history are, so keep it up, man. All right. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, let me give a, a quick introduction, and then I'm going to let uh, Michael give himself uh, a bio as well. Michael uh, introduced himself to us while we were down in the Capitol in Austin in January, and we found himself to be a valuable, valuable aid to our our effort at the Capitol. Um, we, we may elaborate that on that a little bit more as we go through the interview. But Michael, can you fill in, fill us in on your background, introduce yourselves to to folks, especially how you got involved in politics working with Senator Birdwell and, and some of the things which led up to all of, all of that activity in your life. Yeah, it was actually, uh, I, I blame it on the great one, Mark Levin. Uh, I joined the Marine Corps after high school, and when I was in Afghanistan, uh, my dad had sent me his book, Liberty and Tyranny. Uh, and if you or your audience haven't read it, I, I highly recommend it. Um, <clears throat> but when I got back, I uh, started school at the University of Texas. And, uh, you know, I interned all around the Capitol there in Austin, uh, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, a few times for Senator Cruz and on a few various campaigns. And through the, the people I knew and, and the work that I had been involved with, um, started on as a policy analyst with Senator Birdwell in uh, 2014. And that's been about it so far. I, I, I moved back to California after the legislature, after the session was over, and I've been uh, – doing some volunteer work here with Senator Cruz uh, out on the West Coast. And we'll, <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll be winning California, but it's a, it's a long, hard fight. <laughs> yes. Um, so you mentioned you're a policy analyst. We're a policy analyst for Senator Birdwell. Um, there's, we know that there's chief of staffs, there's legislative directors, there's some <clears> of the <throat> folks who just greet you when you come in the door that they are – I'm not even sure what titles they necessarily have. I call him the gatekeeper, um, and, and <laughs> it's Senator Birdwell's office. Uh, he's got a, a gem there in Megan, and, and we even told Senator Birdwell that, that you know she's she probably runs that place in, in some respects, and, and she is the gatekeeper. But what does a policy analyst do? Well, um, some of the some of the you know minor details and particulars vary from office to office. Um, but overall, our job is to review legislation either that is proposed or that our, our office is proposing and uh, kind of the general picture is figure out, you know, what does this law actually do in detail, um, you know, who it affects and how it affects them. And then 
we take input from you know the various stakeholders, industry leaders, from citizens and our constituents, and kind of mesh that to see you know ultimately produce a recommendation for uh, the member that we work for uh, on how to vote on the bill, <clears throat> um, and that's that's about the bulk of it. But it's it's a fascinating job because it you know really really gets into the details, into the weeds of the policy. Um, you know what, what you what you read about a, a, a piece of legislation in the news is really the you know we always called it the thirty thousand foot view. Um, so it's it's you know sometimes I mean a, a a two page bill could take you weeks and weeks to get through just to figure out you know all the all the players in the game and all the stakeholders involved. Um, so policy is the bulk of it. <laughs> All right, and and what kind of studies did you do at the University of Texas to prepare you for that type of work? Well, you know, it, it was really interesting. Um, you know, I, I and and I think most people were political science majors. Uh, there's a lot of people in the Capitol building that were uh, either practicing attorneys or had been to law school or had a master's in um, public policy. But really, I think it was just a lot more my my work experience uh, and experience from internships, and you know I've always been very interested in policy and in politics, and so kind of I kind of came into it with somewhat of a familiarity uh, with with the policy. Um, but it's I'd say largely a mix of education and and experience. All right. So one of the one of the big questions we have, and one of the challenges we have with the Convention of States, is some of those legislators who who are in opposition for various reasons. And the man you worked for, uh, my senator, Senator Brian Birdwell, four years ago in 2011, he was in opposition to the Convention of States or to an Article Five process. Convention mm-hmm. of States didn't even exist four years ago, um, and yet. He's one of our strongest advocates now. From your perspective, how did how did Senator Birdwell come to go ahead and support Article Five in general, and then specifically the Convention of States resolution? <clears throat> well, you know, I, I think that his um, his initial opposition to it kind of shared the same concerns uh, that that we heard repeated last session, uh, and that you hear really commonly. And I'd say the biggest one is people are, are worried about, you know, the runaway convention or the idea that there's no no precedent for it or there's no way to truly limit the scope or uh, the, the result of the convention. Um, and, you know, after, after that session had came, you know, came and went and people started calling in and there's a lot more discussion about an Article 5 convention kind of behind the scenes. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, just as time goes on, seeing the absolute mindlessness of what's going on in Washington, um, and I, I'm not speaking for the senator, but, but it seems to me that, that a lot of us, you know, just kind of came to the conclusion that this isn't going to stop, and the problem's not going to go away, and the people who have caused the whole situation in Washington are not the people that we can then turn around and trust to fix it and to right the ship. And I thought Senator Birdwell made a, an excellent point uh, when we were presenting the bill 
when you have some people from the Eagle Forum and some of the senators that were opposed to an Article 5 convention, you know, the bottom line is I, I don't think that any any of us, you know, even at Convention of States, I don't think any of us doubt their sincerity, you know, and, and the, the genuine um, belief that they have or the concerns they have about a runaway convention. And you could even, I mean, you could even argue how maybe that's possible. But at the end of the day, uh, and Senator Birdwell had said this in testimony, look, we have to bring take power back from Washington. And the only way to do that is to have the state legislatures force it. And, you know, Madison wrote about this in, in the Federalist Papers. He said that, you know, all the concern that we have about this document is, is remedied by the fact that when two-thirds of the legislatures uh, agree on a call for a convention, Congress will have no option on the subject. They will have no say. They can't deny it, and they're not going to have any input. And so that really brings the the power of the political you know, momentum back to local government, back to state government. And you know, he said, look, at the end of the day, if 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 36 state legislatures, which is what it's going to take to to pass any amendment to the Constitution, if 36 of them want to agree and and want to follow the federal government over the cliff, well, so be it. But, you know, we don't see that as a strong likelihood, and the reality is we don't have any other option, and we're running out of time. And we cannot continue down this road of of relying on Congress to fix Congress. <laughs> All right, and, you know, I get to be there in person for his testimony, but I don't know if you've seen some of the uh, Convention of States uh, national promotion his one of his one of the clips from his testimony is is included in one of our our major national uh, video promotions and and uh, of course it always makes me always makes me happy to see my senator there and and his uh, terrific forceful testimony that he gave yeah um, absolutely all right yeah so some of the things that we're trying to do with our podcast here is give ourselves our our supporters some some information on how how we can better uh, Work our cause. So, what are some of the some of the advice, maybe in general for constituents and grassroots? Some advice you would give when we're attempting to persuade a legislator in general. <clears throat> I, I I can tell each and every one of your audience members, having worked in in a senator's office, that that constituents have a lot more sway and a lot more power than people think. You know, if if, if sure, if one or two of you know, one or two people call in for this issue or that, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll take note. But um, for for a lot of the offices that I talked to in that Capitol building, they had never seen the kind of traffic, the kind of, you know, the, the, the sheer volume of phone calls, emails, letters, and constituents coming to the office as they did with um, Convention of States. Had never seen anything like that, and they never had any issue uh, you know, generate that much activity from the people. And I had seen, you know, a, a couple of the, the Senate offices, you know, slowly but surely kind of come over to our side because they, they more or less, they read the writing on the wall that, look, this is a, a growing movement, that it, it, it's a young movement, so it has nowhere to go but up. And it's been going up very fast because the reality is people are, are not only tired, but they're frankly scared of what they see coming out of Washington and they're scared of, 
of the future that's that's facing this country. And <clears throat> reaching out to your senator, reaching out to your your representative, is is immensely effective. And, and I think people kind of tend to uh, shy away from it, or they think, oh, you know, they don't listen. It doesn't matter. I assure you, they are listening. We keep track of that, and. You know, a lot of the Senate offices, when they sit down to analyze a bill and they say, okay, how are we going to vote for or against this, um, that's something that they take into account, that, hey, we have, you know, in our district of seven or 800,000 people, you know, we have 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 phone calls in support of Article 5 and two or three against. The voters are paying attention, and that definitely puts – pressure on the legislative staff and pressure on the representative, uh, the elected official, to really listen. It it certainly changes their mind. And so I think that as far as, you know, getting your your elected official on board, keep up the pressure. Keep up the phones. Keep up the emails. Keep up the letter writing. And and if you ever have time, go down to Austin and, uh, you know, stop by the office. Um, and as far as as you know, getting the word out to citizens, I mean, again, this is this is a genuine grassroots movement. Like you said, there's millions of people across the country that are now on board with this. And I think Convention of States project started you know, two or three years ago. So so it's been a substantial move, a rapid movement in a very short period of time. And so something as simple as talking to your neighbors, or when you go to you know stop by your county Republican. Uh, you know, committee meetings or tea party meetings or any kind of place where there are people. If you just tell one or two people and they tell one or two people, that's that that's how this works and and that's how you get the word spread and that's how you get to the point where convention of states is today where you have millions of people across the country. All right. That's incredibly encouraging that you know, we we've talked amongst our team. You you say we're grassroots, we're just a little over two years old. A lot of us who are involved in this have never done anything like this before. And what we'll say, we'll go up to, we'll go into the office and say, we have no idea what we're doing. But will, will you listen to us? And and so it's encouraging to know that that our instincts basically as just we wanted to be decent, kind human beings coming in. And you, you know, hey, can we speak to you about something? And it it seems like that has been effective for us. Now, let me ask you, you covered a lot of things as to what would be the most effective means, not just in general, but in convention of states. But there are those legislators, and, and I'm not going to name them, but there are, are several that, that – there's one that we probably don't have an opportunity to turn, but, but there's one which we would really like to have a, an opportunity to, to meet. And sometimes it's just frustrating. Even their own constituents, they, they will not meet with them. And mm-hmm. do you have any advice uh, – for a situation like that, um, you know, I not not firsthand because you know I was fortunate, and that's why I was so honored to work for a man like Senator Birdwell, who I mean, he truly saw his role as sacred, and he saw the people, he saw himself as a servant of the people, um, and and consistently reminded us of that fact. Um, and I, I wish to God that every senator and every representative, everyone in the country was was just like him. Um, but I, I can tell you that that j- just like getting a hold of of your own representative, 
just consistency. Consistency can just don't give up. Keep calling, keep emailing, keep writing. And one of the things that a lot of, uh, I think a lot of staffers in Austin were pleasantly surprised by was the professionalism and the courtesy of the people at Convention Estates. You know, because we, we deal, the staff deals with a lot of constituents and a lot of groups and organizations, and some of them are polite and some of them can be, you know, pretty rude, pretty pushy. Um, and, and that's, you know, definitely not, not the way, the way to go about it. Um, and I was aware, you know, maybe one or two offices that they weren't exactly sure about convention estates, but because uh, all the people in your organization were respectful about it, very civil about it, they sat down and met with them and, and, you know, they learned a lot. Um, so I think really just, keeping at it and making sure that, you know, politely they, they kind of realize, hey, this isn't going away. These people are not going away, and they're very serious about saving their country. And, you know, we've, if we continue to communicate the message to them that this is still our country and, and we still care and we still want to, you know, get something done, um, I, I think that that really speaks volumes to it. And sooner or later, people are going to listen. All right. Okay, now now I know you don't work uh, in any in any legislator's office right now. Now you may work for somebody who has a higher office at some point. Uh, that that could work out for you, but well, but in general, President, it, President it, Cruz, I hope. <laughs> and and I'll let you get in a plug on that in a minute or two. Um, <laughs> if you were still there, what advice would you give us? And you've given <clears> us a lot. How we court not just come in and advocate for. Uh, our position, but what kind of support and help can we give these legislators? Because they are getting, you know, you said there were one or two against. I'll bet the numbers were a little higher in Senator Bridwell's district, and I know in some of the other districts. And we have some fairly uh, well organized opposition. Whether they have the, well, I know they don't have the numbers we do, but they're well organized, and they, some of them are fairly well entrenched in the in the mm-hmm. political machinery. Um, what are, how how can we help? Our legislators kind of defend themselves when they're they're not even sure what they support, um, but and they're getting this opposition from some some uh, fairly strong and uh, good old you know friends of theirs who are in opposition. Um, uh, well, a, a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> num- number one, I mean th- those weren't numbers like from from Senator Birdwell's office. Those right. Kind of. Giving an example of the the very lopsided uh, and in, in a good way, very lopsided uh, activity on behalf of and in support of convention states. Um, whether whether you're talking to a, an office that is supportive or you're talking to an office that is uh, I guess hostile to the idea of convention of states, I think it's really important to realize that you know the the, the members just by the nature of, of how big government is and, and how much they have going on, how big their districts are, it's really the the staff members that you're talking to and that your supporters are talking to. You know, we're kind of, the, I guess, the gatekeeper to the elected official. Um, and, I mean, really this, really the same thing, just, just getting out there and, and being civil, being polite, but being very reasonable. And... It, it comes across because we, we, we talk to so many people, especially during the session, um, that 
you know, it, it comes across when people know what they're talking about. And when, when you come at it from a standpoint of, you know, we're not trying to argue with you, we're trying to, you know, educate you or enlighten you on a situation that, you know, you might not be familiar with. Because um, I, I was really surprised at the beginning of the session, you know, I came into the session um, a full supporter of, of Convention of States. Um, and I was surprised how many people didn't even know, you know, what Article 5 is or, you know, what it says. Um, and so I think a lot of the groundwork that Convention of States did and a lot of the effort that you put in, even though we didn't, you know, win the fight this time around, was not at all wasted time. And, in fact, probably couldn't have been more valuably spent because it was an educational effort. And, you know, we had, uh, what was it, I think 18 or 19. Uh, we, we were right just, just close to that magic number in terms of uh, senators that, that were open to the idea of an Article 5 uh, convention. That was not the case on, on you know, the first day of the legislative session. So just, you know, reaching out to the staff and just, you know, keeping it up in a professional and, and really a, a friendly manner uh, does wonders. So I appreciate you, you saying about uh, reaching out to the staff. That's one of the things I'm really trying to uh, encourage and drive home with our supporters and our volunteers our district captains, our, our regional captains here is is the value of getting to know the staff of of your <clears throat> legislators because it's it's difficult, especially during session, as we found out. It's very difficult mm. to get their time. And and uh, I spoke with my uh, state representatives, uh, chief of staff, a, a few weeks ago on this podcast, and she had a lot of the same insight and. Of course, a senator staff. There's a, a lot more of you there, and it's it's nice. I was able to make a few trips down to Austin, and, and it's nice that I I know them by face and name, and they know me by face and name. And when I call yeah. in, they'll they'll know they'll know who's calling in and what's going on, and that, that helps make a connection because I saw Senator Birdwell in person maybe three times down there, and it was basically in passing. Uh, we, we did have the one-hour session with him, but it, it was really us watching he and Senator Coburn have a discussion, which was fine. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a big deal. Uh, that was their time, but but otherwise he was unbelievably busy. And hmm. but the, it is not wasted effort for us to uh, spend time with the staff, and those are the people you're going to see first, and you're going to see them over and over. If you're knocking on doors, that's who you're going to see. And sometimes, uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong. Sometimes they can make a little bit of an impression on on the person they're serving, their their legislator. Is that Absolutely. True uh, absolutely, and, and and I mean it it, it goes both ways. Um, but they absolutely can, and, and you know something I think it's important to keep in mind is that you know the staffers are they're human, and you know as long as you Again, you know, you're, you're out there. You're trying. You come out from the standpoint that you're trying to help them and educate them. They're going to be open to it, even if they are um, opposed to it. You know, they're they're going to give you the time. They're going to give you their ear. And that was another thing that really struck me and, and really made made it a you know a huge honor to serve in the Texas Senate. Was how many of the staffers view it the same way as a lot of their bosses? They they also see themselves as you know, servants of the public. They're they're there to help their boss represent the public. Um, 
and they definitely you know with 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 a lot of the the representatives or senators if if they don't know about uh, article 5 or you know, they're not familiar with the movement you know who do you think's informing them i mean that's precisely our job aside from analyzing you know specific legislation is keeping them up to date on on political movements and keeping them up to date on you know, kind of general trends and things, and so <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, the, the it's it's really an advisory role at the end of the day. So, all righty. You know, I don't want to let you go. There's a couple other things. Again, I want to let you get a, a chance to plug a little bit about what you're doing now. But uh, I just want to share with folks uh, a little bit about what our what our experience was up or down in Austin uh, this year because you mentioned early on in your bio that that you had worked for TPPF, and that's Really, it wasn't the first place we met. We met in Senator Birdwell's office in a, in a very short meeting, right at the beginning of the session. hadn't even started yet, and uh, yeah. we met with chief of staff, and you were there, and I, I don't know if you said more than 10 words during that meeting. Uh, you were very quiet. You know, The chief of staff and I think uh, our legislative liaison did, did a lot of the talking, um, chief of staff's always asking, you know, what is it you want? And of course, me not being real experienced, but also, you know, I'm going to shoot for the moon. It's like I, I, I want Senator Birdwell to carry my bill. <laughs> that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, I was. I obviously wasn't going to get that. Uh, I, I'm a little bit naive in that in that part. But shortly after that, we we the TPPF was was holding their their annual conference, their education conference for the legislators, and that's when you pulled me aside in that room which was uh, busting at the seams for the Article 5 presentation. And uh, we, we've had so many, uh, and on the Texas team, we've had so many providential meetings with folks. And, and you pulled me aside, and you had a couple ideas, and you let us know that you were a supporter. And, uh, you know, when we find people like that, uh, we, we take that as an opportunity. And, of course, we, we got to know you real well, and you were, you were one of our main contacts. Uh, we we could go to and say because you have access you have access to places that we can't get into uh, without you know somebody giving us a nice invitation which is is often difficult especially during session and so we certainly appreciate it I I, I think Tamara you know our 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 coach our state co-director uh, has shared uh-huh. with you that that we nicknamed you Culper right after after <laughs> General Washington the leader of General Washington's spy ring yeah. Uh, you, you weren't exactly a spy. Uh, certainly, uh, Senator Birdwell knew knew where you stood and what was going on. And yeah, that, you know, that, that was that, that that was kind of I guess for at least for me the the tricky part was you know balancing my my personal role, convention states, in you know as a supporter of of the idea and of the organization with my role as a, a staff member, in which you know there. Sometimes I'm, you know, my, my my boss may or may not on certain issues. Uh, you know, we may not line up 100%. But as a staffer, you know, I'm not paid to to push my views. I'm paid to, you know, do the bidding of of my boss. Um, and so that's that, that's something I think that uh, that was probably the most difficult for me. I, I guess more so just emotionally because I was so fired up and so passionate about. Your convention in the states. And I was like, hey, come on, come on, come on. Let's get on board. Let's get on board. Um, so it was a. It definitely made for an interesting, uh, interesting session. <laughs> yes. Well, well, you certainly know the senator better than I do. But, but the impression 
that I, I think is, is fairly true is that he he plays his cards very close to the vest. He does not really show them until he is ready to play. But when he plays, he's all in. And he's mm-hmm. probably going to trump you. And, and I can tell you right now, uh, Tamara and I had a, had a meeting with him that he scheduled with us for an hour. It was uh, probably about six weeks ago in Granbury, in his office in Granbury. And uh, he mm-hmm. kept us for two hours and 40 minutes. And uh, yeah. uh, he is uh, he is all in. Uh, I'll just I'll let you know that he is he is all in for us. So um, we're certainly very excited about getting to the session again. Uh, unfortunately, we have to wait another another year plus. All right. Well, I want I want you to uh, share a little bit with, about what you're doing now out in California. Uh, first of all, again, how, how do you get hooked up? Even if if somebody wants to go advocate for something else or or be involved with a uh, somebody who's running a campaign for anything. Of course, you you went for the whole enchilada there. Somebody who's running for president. Let us know a little bit about that. <laughs> well, um, if, at least for me and how I got uh, involved with this was just a combination of I, I just happened to know some people that were you know political activists uh, here. I, I live in Orange County. Uh, that were you know political activists, and so they kind of introduced me to some people, whether it was in the party or in Tea Party groups or on, you know, various campaigns. And then, you know, when I came across them, you know, I kind of gave them a resume and, hey, I'm looking to help out. And because I had had, um, you know, policy experience and because I had, uh, I think because I had uh, experience with Senator Cruz, uh, they were, they were interested in, you know, seeing me hop on board. And um, so right now I'm the State director of the Veterans for Ted Coalition. Um, oh, awesome! And if yeah, if, if if anyone in the audience is interested, and it, it's not just a California thing, if you go online to uh, TedCruz.org, and we have a veterans page on there where you can sign up to uh, show your support, and uh, it's not a <laughs> you don't have to worry about getting fundraising emails and things like that. It, it, it's really more. This is genuinely a grassroots campaign. And so the work that I've been doing with uh, here specifically with veterans in California is just reaching out to them and basically seeing if, if they are interested in a leadership position and kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing, reaching out to other veterans or, or just their friends, their family, their neighbors. You know, it doesn't, doesn't just have to be veterans. Um, and just seeing if they'll help us get the word out. And that's why I'm very confident that Senator Cruz will be successful is because, number one, this really is a genuinely a grassroots campaign and number two i was frankly shocked to see how many people not only were on board as far as supporters but how many people are involved in the organization in a place like california um i'm, I'm gonna try to put the heat up and say that texas y'all get, you're gonna have to step up your game <laughs> well well you know what from the convention of the states perspective that they are our second biggest supporting group behind texas in the nation we, we California, have, we have the second most. There, there's hope for this place. <laughs> yes, there's hope. I, I hope so because I have a lot of family out there. <laughs> so, well, fantastic. And you know, we know somebody here in Texas who's also uh, in leadership role in the Veterans for Cruz, and that and that would be Senator Birdwell. So, yeah, it's a, it's a small <laughs> world. <laughs> yes. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. So much that you you took the time and and uh, especially almost at the last moment I, I actually had several other people I was hoping to line up as well and uh, they're 
they're not ready yet. So uh, I, I was planning on talking to you, but giving you a little more advance than just a couple days. But I certainly appreciate it. Um, anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap it up today? Well, you know, I always have a, a signature saying, keep up the good fight. And uh, it's it's obvious that you and the, the members and supporters of Convention of States are doing exactly that. I mean, for this organization to have increased its size this much just since the last time I talked to you is, is incredible. And it's it's an uphill fight, but it's a fight that we can and will win. It's going to take time, and it's going to take the involvement of everyone in the organization, but together we can together we will (laughs) all right my friend i appreciate it and and best of luck best of wishes godspeed to you in in california and working on the campaign we will touch base again with you at some point uh you know don't lose touch with your friends out here in in texas um till then uh thank you so much we'll talk to you again mike absolutely paul appreciate it thank you all right i i can't tell you how uh how happy I am about uh, having that interview and uh, the memories I have already of, of being up in uh, Austin or being down in Austin, I say up down in Austin uh, this past session. For those of you who are listening in, who are district captains and just starting up and wondering what goes on, if you get involved, you will meet some fascinating people. You will have no idea who you're going to meet and what role they may have may play in, in our efforts in our promotion um just some some fascinating things can go on uh nobody's on the line to call in uh i know i gave very very late um promotion on this i did want to get this going to tonight because mike was available and and i wanted to do a a live interview i thought that would be a little more interesting for me a little more interesting for him uh he he held on longer than i was expecting uh, and that works as well um I don't know if I'll, I'll do anything in the next day or two for news. Um, I might. Um, the the quick, even though the official official notice hasn't gone out, I have been uh, promoted on up to be co-director for the state of Texas to, to help out Tanner Colbert. I, I mentioned to Michael that we are just bursting at the seams here with supporters, and uh, we are we are having a, a good problem here in the Convention of States in Texas, which is we are having a problem managing how many people are coming on board. And so she she needed some big time help, and and we all saw that. And if you had asked me two weeks ago if I'd be doing this, I would have said that wasn't going to happen because that was nowhere in my radar. Um, but I am I am excited to be to be on board. It's uh, it's going to be an adventure. We have 14 more months here in Texas to get going. For those of you across the nation, many of you, your legislatures are, are getting ready to fire up in the next few weeks. And in fact. Uh, our state co-director, Tamara Colbert, was gonna, probably going to be in and about in pretty much all of your states because she is the PR person nationally uh, promoting Texas or Convention of States uh, across the nation. So you may run, be running into Tamara, and that's another reason why she needs some help so we can let her use her skills nationally. All right, I'm going to go ahead and play us out with uh, Madison Rising. Thank you so much. And that will do it for another episode of That Provident Article. We want to again give a thank you to Madison Rising. Go visit their website at www.madisonrising.com. I especially want to again send you to www.conventionofstates.com. If you haven't volunteered, if you haven't signed a petition, become a supporter. Please go out there and do so. 
Get involved with your state legislatures. Get involved with your state team in whatever state you're in. And again, a big thank you to the Texas Convention of States team. Thank you to all the listeners here. We appreciate it. And we'll listen to Madison Rising and America the Beautiful. <laughs>